Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 81 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. We have with me Dustin Galker. We have Adam Candy. You should be following them already on Twitter if you are not at Dustin Galker, at Adam Candy. That is two E's. No Y. If you want to do me a favor, I'm not even going to say if you hate yourself. If you want to do me a favor this holiday season, you can unfollow me at Matt Brown M2, and I will. it'll save yourself as well. For all of my horrible takes on everything that goes on here. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. So please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We dearly do appreciate all of that. Um, helps us climb up the charts and helps more people find this podcast. We will talk some states and what we are looking at on the horizon. We'll talk some deals as well that are going down. But let's kick things off here, Dustin, with uh, Flutter. And we have talked about if you are not familiar with Flutter, Flutter is a gaming behemoth now, and it is, uh, you know, only recently Flutter. There was a Patty Power Betfair you would probably remember a little bit better as far as the naming of the group and everything. But when you really go down the holdings from Flutter, it is absolutely massive. Every different form that you can get in gaming as well. They have poker, they have DFS, they have sports books. So um, they are going ahead and gobbling up the rest of an American company over here. Yeah. And I don't think this is a huge surprise. Just the timing of it is, but they, they, they bought the rest of uh, 37% of FanDuel group at a, a $4.2 billion deal. Uh, remember back in 2018, Flutter bought a uh, majority stake in FanDuel to, to press ahead with legal sports betting and the possibility of, of online betting in the United States. So not really a shock that this is, this is, they're continuing going down this path and, you know, it's actually, you know, uh, you could argue this is a this is a pretty good deal for Flutter in terms of, of the the value they're getting that they they get the remaining, you know, almost a third of FanDuel, uh, which is the leading sports betting operator in the United States by far, pretty well ahead of DraftKings in, in every market, doing well in online casino as well. So this is a you know a consolidation that we you know I think we kind of saw coming. There, this was not this didn't need to happen right now, but it seemed like it was just in the cards, and they decided to to go ahead and. And do that. Uh, so yeah, uh, Flutter, like you said, big company also runs Foxbet, uh, TVG for horse racing, lots of things in the United States, and will continue to be a, a big part of of U.S. sports betting and online gambling moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at these names, Adam, Patty Power, Betfair, FanDuel, FoxBet, SportsBet.com, AU, TVG, PokerStars, Full Tilt, they are SkyBet as well. They have BetEasy, they are Odds Checker as well. Um, they have basically gone in and scooped up every single type of gaming entity that you can have where you can, you know, get legalized in different parts of the world in the United States as well. Um we were talking, you know, we talk a lot about the different gaming stocks here in the United States. You can't get, well, it, you can get Flutter stock. It's just not available on any of the U.S. exchanges overseas. But you do have to wonder with the absolute, I mean, feverish pitch buzz that you got from DraftKings going public, what it would have been like had Flutter gone public or or what it might be like should Flutter decide to go public over here at some point. Because, I mean, we talk about this. I mean, FanDuel in most markets is the market leader. And uh, with all of these brands, all these different things, you you got to wonder if these investors wouldn't be just going absolutely crazy for Flutter as well. Matt, I think the key word you just used right there was investors, because part of what you have to consider with Flutter's situation is the fact that they are still dealing with the initial investors in the company. Uh, this deal notes a valuation of roughly $11 billion on FanDuel, which uh, they also very smartly point out uh, is less than DraftKings and note that they got a good deal. Now, Keep in mind, the initial valuation uh, of FanDuel was $552 million with the initial sale a few years ago, and that valuation is being disputed in court right now. So I think you probably need to see that take care of itself before you would see anything in the way of a U.S. listing. But to, to what you said about where this company fits into the overall landscape, I think the last earnings call that they did in which they discussed Foxbet really highlights the position of power that Flutter finds itself in, where it essentially said, yeah, we've got this Foxbet brand and we know we want to do something with it, um, but we're really not sure how at this point, right? Like we're holding this powerful brand that we bought and, you know, we're going to try to find a way to capitalize it as a more recreational brand but essentially said FanDuel is so strong right now that, you know, you don't want to cannibalize FanDuel and you're trying to figure out the right way to deploy Foxbet. So it's assets upon assets for Flutter. And there's quite a bit of power to be felt from that company for the next few years. And doesn't we say this about every quarter on this podcast? And I think this is as good a time as any. We hear these valuations of, of FanDuel and DraftKings and things like that. And, you know, you and I were up at two o'clock in the morning, like a, a mid, like a, a middle of the morning vote to where it kept these companies basically in business. And it's just so crazy to think what the landscape would look like right now had that vote in New York gone differently. Yeah, the daily fantasy. There's two big pivot points, right, for FanDuel and DraftKings. It was it was that uh, daily fantasy sports being legalized and then setting the stage for more legalization and legal clarity across the country uh, over the last several years to the point where they're not. It's not even a question really anymore in most in most jurisdictions. And then uh, the Supreme Court decision. Uh, there, there's a real question of what DraftKings and FanDuel would be doing right now. If, if, if PASPA had not been repealed and they certainly would not be uh, combined, what, $30 billion in, in valuations uh, for, for sports betting, right. you know, it's, uh, it is, I, 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 
I don't, I, I don't say I, I think about that all the time, but it is a, there is an alternate reality where FanDuel and DraftKings are probably, you know, probably not around anymore or, you know, or obviously still just doing DFS and not really, maybe that's growing without sports betting, but the, it is a wild thing to think about to that, where these companies have, have come from and, and how they've benefited from legal sports betting in the past couple of years. Adam, Ohio, a prized state out there that we have talked about several times on the podcast here. We are looking at, you know, a, a situation where things might have started already getting doled out there in Ohio. Yeah, it's pretty clear by the way that this new bill looks that what once was kind of a, you know, a mystery of a market is pretty darn straightforward now if this is the bill that gets through. So Senator Eklund talked to our Matt Waters and it was an interesting interview in which he kind of said, yeah, if we want this to get through, if we don't want uh, the powers that be, and I'm paraphrasing that, to scuttle this bill, we needed to cut it first from three skins or online brands to two, and now all the way down to one per casino. So you were initially looking with the 11 casinos at up to 33 brands in the market, uh, 22 with the first iteration, and now the second uh, iteration down to 11. Now, there's an interesting piece to consider with this, because this is a bill that has been going on for the better part of two years. The biggest sticking point prior to the election was who will control it, right? Which governing body will control it. Uh, but now we get down to kind of brass tacks of who will really control this market. And it, we're not so much worried about the regulator, we're worried about which brands. And there's a great point to be made here. Colorado has the potential for nearly three dozen brands. And you've got the big boys in there and you've got a number of smaller operators trying to make it work, but it's not the easiest thing in the world to capitalize those brands, right? It's not easy to grab market share when you have the behemoths in the same market. And so how many brands could Ohio really support, right? This isn't California or Florida. You don't have that kind of population. Yes, it's a big state. Yes, it's a big prize, as you mentioned, but uh, you know, we might be a little closer to what what the market can viably support. Now, this bill was just dropped in committee. Uh, it is a substitute for a previous bill, and there is still miles to go here before it ultimately is passed. But it feels like this is one of those things where the behind the scenes compromise has been worked out. And it's just a matter of getting the right people in line for the votes, which should be hopefully for the sake of Ohio sports betting, uh, something that's already been discussed. So, uh, Dustin, we look at what's what's going on in some of these states, and certainly whenever we start to look at how some of these things might play out in the states where we have not legalized yet, we see the success in we see the early success in in New York in New Jersey. We see the success in Colorado going on. Why is this single skin model seeming to be the at least the the de facto starting point for a lot of these conversations, whereas? We've seen the success that that competition brings in these other states. I mean, here's here's the why. If you're if you're a casino and you and you are tethered to you have to be tethered to a casino and that happens almost in every state. Right. If you want to do sports betting, you have to be tethered to a land based casino. Now, if you only have one skin, that makes it a lot easier and cleaner for for you if you're the casino that holds that license, right? You don't have to deal, deal with negotiating with a bunch of other people. You, in theory, can just take all of that market share for yourself and not, you know, not split it up across 
a bunch of different brands. There's it's 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 you know limiting competition for for lack of a better term. That's what it does. And so it, it it consolidates the power to you know just the people who hold those casino licenses. So so that makes it makes some amount of sense at that at that point. Um, you know, yes, you're right. We've seen we've seen places with multiple skins, New Jersey among them, that you know it's they, they've done well with that. And you know there you you have multiple revenue streams by having multiple partners, and uh, you don't you don't put all of your eggs in, in one basket. So it could be short-sighted. It could could make sense depending on on where you are. Clearly, uh, you know, I, I, we you know, New York is this is this idea is floating around of a single skin possibility as well. You could definitely argue in New York that that's not the right way to go. It is. It does have that large population that Adam was talking about to 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 have a number to have any amount of skins really that you want. You know, even in New Jersey, which where we what have a couple dozen. There's certainly we don't need necessarily a couple dozen skins in New Jersey, but it does continue to help a create a, a, a competitive marketplace that's that's vibrant and robust so um so yeah it's 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 a weird dynamic but you know if you're a casino that holds the power in that in in a state you can you can see why that's attractive it might be short-sighted but that's why the dynamic exists in, in states like this like ohio and new york adam i guess as before we before we move on with this i mean one of the things I guess is that we've talked about here and the reason why we're at least a little critical of this whole single skin thing is just for the fact that from a consumer standpoint, you know, I mean, there is a business aspect to to this. We understand, but from a consumer aspect, we obviously know we've seen this play out in some of the States already that competition is good. Not only, not only does it spark innovation and it keeps people on their toes and, and all that, but you know, also for the consumer it makes it to where they're not allowed to, well, they, they're allowed to, but they're, they can't really viably, you know, put out a bad product because there's somebody else out there that's going to put out a good product and better lines or better technology or whatever it might be, more offerings, and you're just going to lose. And so, you know, this, especially in a state like New York and, and whatnot, it just seems so incredibly short-sighted to to make it to where, you know, as many people as that want to pay the money that needs to be paid, that want to pay the money to try to acquire customers. That's the other thing. I mean, for the, even for the local economy that I think that people don't talk about enough outside of the tax dollars that go into all these things is the revenue that's generated through different media sources, through whatever, I mean, because sponsorship deals for whatever, because they're, they're trying to acquire customers as well. So I don't know, limiting all that just seems a little, a little nuts to me. Your free market ideals have been noted and will be uh, these ideas will be delivered to the folks in Ohio and New York. Uh, in, in all seriousness, I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, and you could make the argument that having 22 or 33 licenses available would ultimately have led to competition that would by itself winnow out those who can't make it. Right. Right. Uh, you, you could say, well, you know, how many brands realistically could survive? And I think your counter argument, which makes sense, is let's find out, right? And, and let's see uh, who can afford to play. And I think that's the other way, if I'm leading myself into my own statement, if you set the license fees in a certain place, then you're kind of taking care of that in the first place, right? So it, it's it's obviously some some interests at work here. I think Senator Eklund made that pretty clear in his statements to Matt Waters. And I think the uh, the question incumbent upon us is what interests in particular. Like when we look at Illinois, it's pretty clear that Bet Rivers drove most of the political uh, machinations that happened 
in that state. I think the question is, who's doing it in Ohio? Well, I got you here. Why don't you uh, update us on Missouri? Oh, well, I'm sure I'm already here. Uh, (laughs) Yes, Missouri has three bills that uh, if you have seen these bills before, that's because you were paying attention last year. Uh, Missouri is going to try again here in 2021. I would put I would have put Missouri last year at about a 50 50 to to get something done. They've tried for three years now to get sports betting up and running Uh, the first year. It was one of the only bills in the country that had an integrity fee put in it. And there is still one out there that would do that. Um, There are three bills to consider, though, and there are varying tax rates. There are varying license fees, uh, the uses of integrity fee and official league data. But it does seem like when we get three bills from three different senators, that there is at least the will to have the conversation that maybe we can come to a compromise and get at least one chamber behind this and see where we can go. So it does seem like there's a little momentum in Missouri. Dustin, we uh, love numbers here on the podcast. Let's take a look at the ones coming out of Indiana. Yeah, we got uh, Indiana is usually the first state to report or one of the earlier states to report that's that's uh, every given month. So we get their numbers first to see kind of what things are going to look at. We see we have November's numbers, a quarter of a billion dollars wagered uh, in November. That's a new record uh, in Indiana. Again, uh, pretty vibrant marketplace there. Lots of online betting. Indiana has been around for just over a year now. So, uh, you know, this is a further evidence that that sports betting is going to be resilient and continue to grow in, in these robust online markets. And like we we're talking about before, competition is a good thing. Just about, a, I think there were about half a dozen or about a dozen online brands in Indiana. So lots more room to grow. Um, it's, it's also interesting that it's, you know, even with Illinois launching its online sports betting and, and Chicago and not needing to go to Indiana, that it's been, uh, Indiana's still growing, not really seeing any pullback from, from uh, the lack of access maybe to Chicago betters, even though they still could be crossing the border and betting there. So anyway, another, a big number. And I think it presages probably some more big numbers in November in, in other states as we get, uh, get more numbers here in the next few weeks. We are, you know, one of the casinos that if you were, if you were in the poker world uh, back in the day, which you and I were, you are very aware of Foxwoods casino. It would host, you know, some of these really high profile poker events that would be televised every single year. I don't think people even realize like how massive uh, Foxwoods casino is in Connecticut and a number, I mean, the, just the sheer square footage of of casino there is just massive. I was able to go there one time and I was just uh, floored as to how big that casino was there. And while we are, you know, striking up deals and we talk about all these, we talk about all these sites getting deals in these different various States. Looks like we have one with Foxwoods as well. Yeah, uh, all of a sudden we have a lot of chatter about uh, Connecticut legalizing sports betting. Uh, we've been we've been talking about Connecticut trying to legalize something for uh, quite a while. I'm pretty sure, at least going back several years, and, and daily fantasy sports included. But DraftKings uh, did a deal with a, the tribe that owns uh, Foxwoods Resort. Like you said, um, it, the, if you're going to do sports betting in Connecticut, it's going to have to involve both of the tribes there uh, at a minimum. Megan um, Sun also there. They run the two casinos. Those are the two casinos that are in the state. So DraftKings striking a deal. And then all of a sudden we had all sorts of uh, 
important people in Connecticut also saying things about about sports betting. The governor there says he's going to talk, put put it on his radar uh, as a key key lawmaker uh, who would be moving it in the in the legislature was talking about it, moving it as well. So all of a sudden, that that, that whether whether the DraftKings deal was the reason for the chatter or the ch- the chatter became or DraftKings knew this was going to start being a real push. Uh, in 2021, no matter what, it looks like, you know, I, I I don't, Adam might know more than I do, but I think Connecticut probably goes to the top of our list of states that might legalize in 2021. Yeah. Adam, do, uh, do we, do we look like we're, we're a go here in, in Connecticut? We look a lot more like that than we did even two weeks ago. I would still keep a little bit of caution when it comes to Connecticut because you ha- you really ultimately do have to have both tribes on board uh, the Mashantucka Pequot and uh, also the Mohegan. You need to make sure that you have all of those ducks in a row. And remember, there are some massive finances uh, at issue here. You're, you're looking at, uh, you know, you're looking at 25 percent of slot payments from these tribes in the two major casinos going into the state budget. So anything that gets that much money at stake when we talk about having to renegotiate compacts and deal with tribal exclusivity uh, is something that is going to be tricky. And I think the exclusivity piece remains at issue. Rodney Butler, the the chairman uh, of the Mashantucket Pequot, did, said that as well, that, you know, if this operates through tribal compacts was in his quote in his statement. So I think I would hesitate a little bit to, to put Connecticut all the way at the top of the list just because of some of the potential complications. But uh, when it comes to having the industry and the casinos and the legislators all talking uh, seemingly from the same page, we're there in Connecticut. We uh You'll love it whenever I go geography, not geography this time. This is just a fast fact on Foxwoods. Geomad. Yeah. 344,000 square foot of gaming space, 2,228 rooms at Foxwoods. So again, it is like if you, if you've never seen it, if you've never been there and I tell you, it is massive. It is absolutely massive. And uh, you know, I'm sure whatever they whenever they get into this and whenever it gets legalized they will they'll be swinging their weight around pretty good there it's a so, it's a yeah it's a place where Matt, people go and visit 300 344,000 square feet so it's just smaller than brown manor yes yes yes, yes. No, no my uh my sports book wing of course oh yes, i'm, I'm sorry yes. yeah I, yes I, yes oh the, you uh, have a retail sports book oh i thought you were an online guy okay <laughs> interesting yes uh dustin close us out here um you know this is uh we talked uh, uh, uh spent nearly a whole podcast talking about you know the the betting market from the election and how that it wasn't we we feel it's not predictive at all because of the way that that things went down. I mean, it's people betting on emotion. It's people betting on a very very small amount of information. They're basically using other people's information. They're not building their own models. All the stuff that you know that makes successful sports better successful in that realm is all the opposite ways that they were losing money betting the election this past time. But um, we did have another reference to the betting market in the election here recently. Yeah, I mean, this is just a wild, wild one, right? Obviously, uh, we stay out of the politics here outside of what's going on in state legislatures. But 
we we had our we had our president Donald Trump uh, tweet about uh, the election and betting. So his tweet uh, just yesterday says, at 10 p.m. on election evening, we are at 97 percent to win with the so-called quote unquote bookies. So uh, <laughs> kind of wild intersection with the stuff we do. Uh, I mean, first things first. I think I think we'd all agree that that Donald Trump lost and Joe Biden won. There's no election fraud. I think we, I think we can all agree that on that here, maybe our listeners don't agree, but I, I think that's, that's, uh, I think that's pretty stone cold fact. Uh, he's using this to say that that somehow indicates that he should have won or, or actually did win the election, even though, as we uh, talked about in the, in that past podcast, this is uh, the, the gambling, the gamblers were, were not onto this. They were not aware of how, how votes were coming in and, and markets reacted poorly and people were betting a, a lot of money on Trump when they when they should not have been when we kind of knew that the the late late counts of the votes from mail in and, and absentee voting would would swing toward uh, Joe Biden who's going to be our next president so uh, also and a side note to all this again this is a little I mean he's probably referring to a lot of offshore there's a lot of there's a lot of betting on the, the election in the UK so Betfair was out there putting a lot of in, a lot of information out there about what's going on in the uh, with the booking of the, uh, the presidential election but he was nowhere near 97% uh, by by anything that i saw in, in the odds from from election night i think he might have been at something like 80% if, if with the, the the most aggressive odds that were out there at the at the peak of of election night but it was more like might have been more like a 1 to 2 uh, more like 67% I think is, was maybe the average. I'm not sure. Again, I'm, I didn't go back and look at what the, uh, what the odds were at all the different sports books, but it was not 97% to win at sport at, at any sports book offshore or UK. Yeah. I think the most I saw, he was kind of like minus five, 50, which translate percentage wise into about 85%. But again, that is just strictly based off of that is literally the, the way that odds work, as we know, is strictly based off the money that is coming in, right? And balancing liability and different things like that. So uh, Adam, the, um, I don't know exactly for sure, but I can guarantee you the, um, you know, the, the Falcons were probably 90 something percent to win this, to, to win the Super Bowl. you know? So, I mean, it's like, it doesn't matter what the, the winning percentage is until something is over. And so it's just funny that this reference gets made when it's like, okay, cool. It doesn't really matter because until something is over, these win percentages don't really mean anything. More than 300 electoral votes have been certified for Joe Biden <laughs> by the process that we have used since what 1776 if i know my government history class from high school at all like this is the process we set out a long time ago this is the first time that we have had someone try to i don't know use offshore bookies on his twitter account as a reason why he should be able to invalidate the votes of the people this is stupid this is asinine this is a toddler's rage. So the more air we give it is the more air that goes down into his lungs and <laughs> we continue to give him a way to breathe. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be talking about it because it's news when a human being says something that demonstrably dumb in public. Uh, we've become very accustomed to this human being saying things this demonstrably dumb in public. And, and the only reason that I'm going in as deep as I am on this is not to tell you that your politics are right or wrong. You, you want to support Donald Trump? Be my guest. But we have a process for deciding who gets to be in office. We have a process for deciding who the president is. 
everyone seems to be on board with this and has been for more than 200 years. And I don't think that the creation of Twitter and one man being able to rant and rave on it unhinged should be able to have any effect on that end rant. And I, yeah, I really and just I wanted think- to I wanted to bring it up mostly more less because of, of him and more just because it pointed out how dumb all the people betting on, on Trump were. Right. That was that was the <laughs> that was the lark that we were getting, at least that I was getting, is that everybody was taking a victory lap uh, who bet on Trump that night. And that it obviously you know, there was lots of people were pouring more money in it. And like it was, it was the whole thing. That's the. The, in retrospect, I would like I, would, I, I have a sad life, so I would I would like to go back in time and live <laughs> reading everyone's reading everyone's tweets about taking a victory lap on on their on their Trump bets. I, I, hey, I don't I don't know, guys. Like Matt keeps talking about getting people to unfollow him. I just looked. You two have almost a combined sixteen thousand Twitter followers. Like you you have people who care. You have people who want to know what you think, what you have to say. I I, I would say you have a great life. Uh, I mean, I did, I did tell you about that guy and it was the same guy that went after Doug. I did tell you about, there was a guy who gave me step-by-step instructions on how to hang myself. Right. <laughs> really? Oh. I was oh, unaware yeah. of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Step-by-step. He, he actually said that he would buy the rope in the rickety chair and mail it to me. And I said, I bet you won't. And then I, I said, here, let's do this. And I gave him a PO box that I have. And uh, you know what? He never sent me the rope or the rickety chair. Oh, see, never see. Yeah. And there was only like a 97% chance he was going to do it. <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't do it. So it's like, all oh, that was false threats. He was like, told me he would buy the rope and the rickety chair for me to hang myself. And he didn't do it. So I yeah, do, I do, uh, I do nothing to try to gain Twitter followers. I feel like I actively, <laughs> I, I actively try to lose Twitter followers. I, everything I do, I just, I mean, I tweet whatever's in my brain for better or for worse. That's and probably for worse, but it entertains some people. It, it, some people just go away. And, you know, I, I live with that. I, but by the way, I think you also just described how the president makes his tweets as well. <laughs> <laughs> I have some ideas in my brain. I'm actually trying to drive people away. Somehow people come to it. Agreed. Oh boy. That's good stuff. Um, yeah. But like, you know, uh, if you, uh, again, if you, if you do want to uh, see, you know, bad sports takes and different takes on uh, the gambling industry and stuff like that, um, they're horrible, but you can follow me at Matt Brown M2. You can follow Dustin for all of his good stuff. Listen, he, he's talking a bunch of mess, but yeah, it's a, it's a good follow at Dustin Galker. And of course, Adam Candy Two E's. No, why he needs to tweet more. I will work on that with him in 2021. He gets a pass. 2020 was a weird year guys. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Please go in, subscribe, rate and review. We appreciate all those. And of course, all the things we talk about here, you can find over on legal So go in, get the written goods on all of the stuff that we talk about here on the pod for Dustin, for Adam. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.